You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast hosted by me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, we have a very exciting guest, Lee Seven, who is co founder of Endear. Endear is a sales platform that empowers retail teams to drive sales over email and text when face-to-face selling is slow or while stores are closed. After graduating from Georgetown University, Lee got her start in entrepreneurship through the Venture for America Fellowship Program, where she met her co-founder, Janish. The two have been working together for nearly five years now and are alums of the XRC Accelerator. The retail application in Deer is reinvigorating brick and mortar sales by putting the relationship back into retail. Lee, can you tell the audience before we dive in deeper to this conversation a little bit more about Endear? Absolutely, thanks for having me. Yes. The real reason we <laughs> created Endear was that we noticed a trend in retail overall that of course consumers were moving towards e-commerce, but what e-commerce lacked was that real interpersonal relationship customers weren't used to having with the people at their stores. We also noticed that they were lacking any sort of technology. Endear is really meant to fuse the in-store experience with the online experience to make sure that consumers can have the best shopping journey they need without having to sacrifice how they choose to shop. I love it. And I think that that's, you know, that fluidity is going to be more important than ever, um, as we've seen in 2020, but it's not going to go away. Um, and I think it's only going to continue in the years to come. You know, your, your company, uh, you and your company are on a mission to change the way retail industry thinks about sales. So, you know, how exactly are you empowering your store associates to to use, you know, off-peak hours or hours when stores are closed to really establish meaningful connections with their customers? There's no denying that organic foot traffic is at this point almost a thing of the past. Anytime someone walks in a store, it is usually because you know, they were reminded about a promotion or they saw something online. And so it's really about making sure that the store associates have ways to contribute to motivating customers to come in. Or if customers, especially now with what's going on, don't want to come in, they can still do their jobs. They can still sell. And what was so cool about creating Endear was that we didn't even have to change any behavior. Store associates already realized that they needed to take some initiative if they were going to hit their sales goals, if they wanted to increase their income. What we did was simply scale that behavior and say, listen, here's all the data you need. Instead of keeping it in a notebook somewhere or trying to store it in your own personal phone or contacts, here's everyone that's shopped with you. Here's everyone and what they've spent. Go use this to really escalate the sales for the store, your own performance, and and go further than the four walls of your location. I love that you say that you didn't change behavior because I think that's a key element in technology adoption, right? I think a lot of times you see companies come out with what would be great ideas, but there's so many steps, whether it's for the salesperson or for the customer, that people don't, they don't embrace it, they don't adopt it because it's new for them. But what you're talking about is great because it's what was happening, right? In a very traditional sense, like you said, people are writing these little notes and then what happens with Mm. it? So being able to kind of um, make that behavior a little bit more efficient 
um, with technology, it makes a ton of sense. You know, you guys have a data-driven software that unifies customer profiles to supply these associates with valuable insights. And so what do you exactly are you helping them track? And, and how is that helping power personalization? I always joke we track more and more every day. <laughs> so um, when we came in at the, at, at the start, it was literally just building them a basic CRM. CRM is like the most common software for any B2B salesperson, any software salesperson, and yet it didn't exist in retail and you could argue that they need it the most because it's the most high volume, number of people, frequency of purchase. They really do need all this data in order to keep up with what customers are doing, especially because customers might be doing that online where they don't have visibility. So we are really trying to track everything about the customer, including, and this is where the unification part comes in, understanding what's her behavior online, what's her behavior in store, what is she buying from each channel, and then giving you a really clear picture of how you can still motivate her to purchase. And as I said earlier, it really shouldn't matter where she makes that purchase. The beauty of Endear is you'll get credit for it no matter what we're able to sort of attribute attribute that sale back to you as a, as a user and as a salesperson. I think that's so important that you're able to track the attribution because I think that has continued to be a challenge with brick and mortar. As customers have become more fluid, they shop across channels, right? So, you know, we talk about it's the customer channel, really. It's not online, offline. But the challenge with sales associates or, or even, to be honest, real estate, uh, landlords and stuff. It's how do we track attribution so that we understand the value of each channel, really, so we understand the value of brick and mortar, right? So that, you know, everybody's then in service of the best experience for the customer, regardless of the touch point. Um, what, you know, what have you seen there? Like, have you, have you seen that this has been able to enable change because sales associates are feeling them more confidence that, okay, I'll get credit for, um, my investment in, 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 in my customers. Yeah, it's so funny because before, as I said, they would still text and email with customers, but when you look at the language of their messages, it was always like, no, no, come, come into the store though. Mm -hmm. Like don't go online and buy this <laughs> because they knew that that was a huge risk for their commissions and their sales and their goals. And so when we came in, I think there was still some resistance. They, you know, they didn't really trust it and that all, really changed with COVID because literally the option of the store was just completely shut off. And so for a lot of them, it was like, wow, I can still do my job and get credit. And I'm learning about a new resource that's available to me. I'm sure we've all had that experience where we walk into a store and they don't have my size or they don't have the right color, but it exists online. The beauty of Endear is that the salesperson can still literally send you that product. I can go buy it and everyone wins. Yes, no, absolutely. It was, it was interesting because, you know, I continue to go out and explore what retail has evolved to in 2020. And I won't name the store, but I was at a store that um, I, uh, it, was a, it was a cosmetic store and I was speaking to the sales associate and they were giving me advice. And I said, you know, I actually got a gift card for my birthday and I forgot to bring it. So this oh, was no. helpful, <laughs> but let me purchase it 
um, online. And the first thing they said was, Ooh, could you purchase it with us here in store? Because, you know, we really need the store to get credit because we want people to know, like, even though we want our managers to know, even in COVID, the store is important. And it was kind of a sad because I felt for them, you know, and I wanted to support totally. that. But they shouldn't have to feel that way. They should know that they helped me. And that was what was most important. And I'm going to purchase regardless. And it's really about, you know, um, each touch point just adding value to my experience versus being worried that I'm going to now purchase it online versus in store. Totally. And even the gift card itself, right? Like there's an element of the operations and logistics behind Omnichannel that's like, don't have different return policies online or in store. It shouldn't matter where you return. It shouldn't matter if you got the gift card in an email. It should still work when you go to a physical location. You should not have to bring a gift card to a store. Right. They, they have it. Right. They have that information. Right. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> no, I know. It was so sad, actually, because I really wanted to be supportive, but I also really wanted to leave, yeah. use my yeah, gift card. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they wanted to give it to you. I just I hope they would have recognized it in store. Yeah, no, I know. That fluidity is so, so important. Um, and, you know, you bring up the gift card, but I think in a lot of ways, whether it's the gift card or understanding me, how I shop online, understanding how I shop in store, I feel like consumers are getting more and more open to that, but um, only if it's for, for our benefit, right? So, exactly. so what have you seen? Like, what trends have you seen? in you know how consumers have their mindset towards this like being tracked and then the experience that they get because of it i do think there's an interesting distinction between how americans feel about it and how europeans feel about it that's just something that keeps coming up where i think we've gotten so used to okay you know i clicked on this product on this website and now every time i open up instagram or every time i'm scrolling on any website like there it is and some people really appreciate that and some people find it creepy. But I think, as you said, when it's for the sake of personalization, when it's for the sake of a better experience, we don't mind so much and we sort of accepted that like anything we do is trackable at this point. So I think what's really important is how are you using that data? How are you using it, not just for your own advantage as a company or as a salesperson, but to really look at the customer and say, okay, based on everything I'm seeing, here's how I'm gonna communicate with you. Here are the offers I think are gonna resonate with you because we all want offers. I mean, gift cards, offers, whatever it is. So if, if we can really use that as an advantage to improve the shopping experience, I, I don't think consumers will mind as much. No, I completely agree. What other changes have you seen in customer behaviors due to COVID um, whether, in terms of the way in which they're open to communicating, for example, text messaging? Oh, text messaging is very big right now. <laughs> we actually, so we, we dove into the data recently and SMS messaging through Endear since March is actually up 1300%. Wow. Which is like a percentage that shouldn't exist, <laughs> uh, but it does. And, and to sort of shed some more light on what that is looking like on our end, at least, the rate at which people are converting over SMS is actually, um, 30% faster. So the amount of time that it takes for them to convert is 30% faster than over email. And the response rate is about three times what it is for email. So it's definitely both 
a higher converting channel, a more quickly converting channel, and a generally more engaged channel for consumers right now, at least from what we're seeing. So then the special question is, what's the formula for success there? Um, Because, right? Because usually, well, traditionally, I could say not usually, people have found texting, you know, it's intrusive, right? Because it's, it's, um, it's, it can be disruptive, but what, what, what mm-hmm. your data is proving, it's actually preferred. So what, what is that formula for success? Why is, why is SMS uh, working so well? So we've seen the rise of companies like Attentive and, of course, Endear, and there are a couple of other players in the SMS space. The distinction we always draw about ourselves is we are really a sales platform. We're not a marketing platform. And the reason why I bring that up is the text messages that our users are sending are really meant to spark true one-on-one conversation. And I think right now SMS is super strong because it's still a growing trend, but just like we saw with email, you know, people are gonna become immune to that channel if we overwhelm it, if we make it too spammy, if we just pump it with promotions instead of saying like, well, text message, I love it because that's where I talk to my friends and that's where I talk to my family. It's not really, I'm not used to thinking of it as a commercial channel. So the more that we can respect that boundary, I think it will sort of preserve all the stats that I just said, but we really need to be sensitive to how we use it if we don't want it to sort of get turned off for consumers. No, absolutely. So what what are maybe some new features or services that have emerged um, with this? Um, Any surprises? You know, I know you guys, for example, have a lookbook feature. Is that something you communicate? How do you communicate that? And how have you seen that um, resonate with customers? So lookbooks were actually our first feature. <laughs> we um, realized that, as I said, you know, salespeople were using their phones and their emails. They had email addresses. The core piece of retail is that it's such a visual relationship. It's such a visual industry. And these big companies had tons of product photos and marketing assets. Meanwhile, the store, the store people are taking selfies and putting clothes on hangers and sending them, and no one knows what the style is or the size or the color. So that was sort of where we wanted to sort of link into all of this is say, let's just make sure that you have access to all of the visuals that you need in order to motivate customers to buy. And of course it will be linked. And of course you can have a library and you can share that and you can add your own photos if you want. But to us, that was really the start of Endear was with the lookbooks. And then we realized that over time, it was really actually the messaging that was going to drive growth. Interesting. So it's, yeah, it's definitely a concerted effort of having all of those assets together and organized and your, your CRM system helps with that, obviously. And then are you tracking and helping them understand how the funnel is, you know, that conversion funnel is tracking and um, maybe do you kind of help initiate points, uh, uh, illuminating areas where there's room for improvement or how they can better be in service of their customer? That's That's exactly where we're headed. So when you talk about new features, what we've noticed through COVID is we spent most of the pandemic really just helping our customers embrace Endear. It's something that we saw them really take to, especially as stores were closing. So we wanted to capitalize on that opportunity to get to know their problems really, really well, understand what the quote unquote new normal was going to look like. And what that really led us to was exactly that, really being a little bit smarter on behalf of our customers, thinking about what opportunities do we see across the board that we can shed light on for them as individual brands and retailers. 
and you know, adding additional channels. So something that we're launching soon is, is WhatsApp, making sure that it's easy for salespeople to communicate over any channel that their consumers may want to use and, and also making sure that they can do it on the go. So we're actually launching a mobile app pretty soon. Oh, that's great. Um, that's great. Well, speaking of, um, you know, kind of f- new features and things like that, you recently um, published some information, I think, about how you worked with the Bing. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So can you share something about that example, Um, maybe what what was different, what made it such a success, any learnings? Absolutely. And Nino Bing has been a customer for a long time, but originally they used us only exclusively for their e-commerce clientele. So it was really a way to give that sales experience uh, to online visitors rather than just the people who live near a store. But when COVID happened and their stores shut down, they realized that they were going to basically need to scale up that effort for e-commerce, and they put their entire sort of store teams on Endear. Some of the stats that we mentioned in the article, which I think are really relevant, is that when they started reaching out to more customers, those customers that got contacted represented about 25% of their e-commerce sales and also had a larger AOV. So to us, it's such a sign that e-commerce is wonderful because it's convenient and it's accessible, but the power of a sales associate is just as strong online as it is in store, and it can actually have incredible an incredible impact on how your e-commerce performs. So I think that's when we talk about the future of retail and the future of omnichannel. I really think that's where a lot of this is heading is sort of the combination of your traditional CX putting out fires, where's my return with the old fashioned can you help me? What size should I be? How do I wear this sort of more salesy type of role? What, speaking of that then, what have you seen as, as far as trends of in, engagement? So for example, you know, I've done some virtual appointments uh, mm-hmm. in 2020 and I find I actually spent so much more time with that uh, stylist or, or, or beauty expert or whoever I'm engaging with than I probably would have in the past. Um, what, what kind of trends are you seeing in that aspect? Literally that trend. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually in the middle of writing a blog post about how to offer, uh, online or in-store appointments because it's so much more deliberate when you interact with a sales associate, your AOV tends to go up. So those kinds of interactions really encouraging customers to engage with the, with an actual human rather than just saying, well, let me just humanize my brand. It's like, no, maybe you should just put a human in front of your customers. Uh, I think that's a really important trend because especially as we actually lose the number of interpersonal relationships we might be having given shutdown, it's important to let customers interact with the people that they want to. And I think jumping off of the appointment you might've had, where Endear comes in is really saying, don't let that relationship just be that one-time appointment. Give that stylist, that beauty expert, a way to stay in touch with Melissa and make sure that she's tracking when she might run out of something or, okay, the seasons are changing. What does that mean for her skin and what products might she need at night now that, you know, it's, it's cooling down? So all of that is really the way to empower your sales team, but also to give your customer a, a better lifeline to the brand. So how long does it uh, typically take for you to onboard a brand? Um, And I don't mean just getting them on a platform. I also 
I'm curious, how long do they need to be on the platform on average where you start to see them be able to lean into some of those insights and really start to make those recommendations, being able to learn um, and then improve the experience? Great question. So I will just mention that one of the things that was really different about Endear when we launched was that there was basically no technological onboarding. It literally was a one-click five-minute installation process, which at the time was super unique compared to the like on-premise large build-out that a lot of tech companies were forcing brands into. But you're right. I think the most important thing is how quickly are the sales associates picking it up? It partially comes down to their familiarity with outreach from the get-go. Is this something that they've done before? Do they know which clients they're really eager to use this with? But for the most part, we do a 14-day free trial because that's the amount of time we've seen it take to really get hooked on it, to really understand what it can do for you, even to send your first batch of messages, whether that's sending a test message to yourself and realizing, hey, this is actually really cool, and hey, I can insert a product or a lookbook. That's that's really all it has taken thus far. And, and the cool thing is with attribution, we're able to actually point to the dollars and say, look, in just 14 days, you've actually already made back what you would have paid in a subscription fee. That's good to know because I think that's um, a lot of times what brands and retailers are trying to wrap their head around is, is figuring out the ROI of it and <clears throat> how long it will take for them to see those benefits. Um, but it seems like you guys are doing a lot of exciting um, additions from a feature standpoint. And I think, you know, the the more and more you become kind of a collaborative tool, right, where you're able to help with some of those call outs and recommendations and um, illuminating where they have opportunity where they might not have seen it um, is really exciting. Where do you see the future of personalization going as we approach 2021 and beyond? I think personalization can take a lot of different forms, right? So it can mean designing my own sneaker. It can mean adding my initials to a bag. That's personalization. But I think what we're really focused on is personalizing the actual shopping experience and also making it more interpersonal, which means really making sure that customers are still maintaining relationships and, and brands are maintaining relationships with their customers in order to make it easier for them to shop however they want. And it really is combining the benefits of any channel or any service and saying, well, how are they going to interact with all these different touch points, as, as you mentioned before, and how can we put a friendly face at each of those touch points so that they never feel lost, they put their trust and loyalty into us. I think that's probably the most important thing as this space continues to get more and more competitive. I think trust and loyalty is, is key and it's going to be a major differentiator. Um, it's been interesting to see the, the data come out in 2021 of how many people have kind of switched to different brands because mm -hmm. they leaned into authenticity and they built trust and they really, they really understood that they needed to meet the customers kind of wherever. Um, exactly. So I think there's a lot more room for that. And what's exciting is I think brands and retailers are embracing the fact that they just, they need to do something different. They need to, they need to try new things. They need to implement technology um, and they need to create experiences that are more personal. 
So thank you so much for this conversation today. I think there's a lot of good tidbits in here and things for brands and retailers to think about. Um, Before I let you go, I've asked all guests in 2020 this um, because we're not in a world where we're really traveling the way we once did. Um, And you're you're in New York, correct? Yes. Um, When when the world comes back to whatever the new normal is going to be, what are the three must um, do things in New York City for those who may travel here next? Oh, three things to do in New York. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. What is not the most obvious thing in the world? Um, I would say walk along the High Line. I actually do think it's a beautiful view of New York and it's a great way to sort of keep up with all the walking we've all been doing. Yes. Um, I would say, go to Strand Bookstore. It's one of those like timeless New York places. Uh, I think it's it's a really special way to just do something really old fashioned and and romantic. And it's it's sort of I think it's actually open pretty late, so I would definitely recommend that. And then the last thing would be to go get a late night burger. I mean, if you're in New York and you don't have a bagel and a burger, I don't really know why you're here. So I would recommend going to get a burger either at Corner Bistro or at JG Mellon's Uptown. Those are, so let me tell you something. My brother came, I have four brothers. One came to visit from Texas a few years ago and he was on a mission to decide what the best burger in Manhattan was. Oh gosh. (laughs) Um, And at the time I lived near JG Mellon and it did win. Um, And it wins the best. (laughs) It wins for me, too, because I'm a turkey burger person, and I think they have amazing turkey burgers. Um, I didn't even know they had turkey burgers. It's wonderful news. So good. Yeah. So, um, but that's a great call. I do think you do, you need... You need pizza, bagels, and burgers if you're coming to Manhattan. So. Yeah, come come to New York. It's super healthy here. It's really Trust healthy. Me. It's great. Yeah. Well, then you could go for a long walk at the High Line. On the High Line, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, thank you so much for being on today. This was a great conversation. Um, everyone, this is Lee Seven, co-founder of Endear. Um, thank you so much for being on with us today. Thanks so much for having me. This is fun. Yes. 